Sound of Football with your host, Colin Summer, brought to you by WHIP. What is going on, guys? It is Nana Football back with another episode. I hope everyone is doing well. We are in the third week of 2022 in the playoffs for NFL football. The divisional round has concluded, and we have some winners and we have some losers. A lot of crazy games. A lot of things happen. Things that I want to bring up to you guys and go over. We got a lot of things for this podcast, but we're going to keep it short. Nothing too crazy. So let's just get right into it. So like I said, just concluded the divisional round, moving into the conference championships, both the AFC and NFC this weekend. Recapping the divisional round, the first game that was played was the Bengals-Titans game, and it was a final score of 19-16, to a very more, def- more so a defensive game. Uh, a lot of field goals were also kicked. But on the Titans side of things, Ryan Tannehill went 15 of 24 for 222 yards. He threw a touchdown, but he threw three picks, one being a crucial one at the end of the game, pretty much the one that prompted them to lose. This was also Derrick Henry's return from his foot injury. And although people were saying and doctors were saying he was really close to 100%, I don't think he was. 20 carries, 62 yards, and a touchdown. He had the score of average less than four yards carry, something Derrick Henry usually doesn't do. I don't think he was 100%, but still a valuable asset to the team, regardless of his health. At the very least, he's drawing a ton of attention from the defense. A.J. Brown absolutely snapped in this game. He had five catches for 142 yards, and a touchdown. Julio Jones had six catches for 62 yards. Julio Jones' career kind of flushing down the drain. Too many injuries. Now he's with a non-competent quarterback. Pretty straight simple. But the defense was kind of the story for the Titans in this one. I think that's why they kept it so close. Otherwise, I think the Bengals would have made this a two-score game or a touchdown game at least. The Titans' defense had nine sacks. That's crazy. Absolutely wild. And they still don't get the win despite how well the defense played. Those three turnovers from Ryan Tannehill were really crucial to their loss. On the other side of things, the Bengals, Joe Burr. Oh, Joe Shiesty, Joe Burr. Uh, 28 of 37. He's being a, he, coming a, a global, not global, but an NFL star. Everyone loves him. Very young player. A lot of talent. Can't wait for him to play for years to come. Uh, just very, very fun to watch. Like I said, went 28 of 37 for 348 yards. He did not throw a touchdown in this game, and he did have one pick. But otherwise, a still very solid game from him. Joe Mixon had 14 carries for 54 yards and a touchdown. The only touchdown scored by the Bengals. He also had six catches for 51 yards. Jamar Chase has had a great season, and he continues on into the postseason with five catches for 109 yards. T. Higgins had seven catches for 96 yards, second amongst the team in yards. And then third amongst the team in yards is C.J. Uzoma with seven catches for 71 yards. The defense had three interceptions, as I mentioned before, that Tannehill threw and one sack. Now, I'm going to do something I didn't really do. Well, actually, I kind of did for the other games, but I'm picking an MVP for each team that won. So for the Bengals, it's got to be Evan McPherson. I mean, he went 4 for 4 with a game-winning 52-yard field goal. I mean, what else is there to say? He was all over it. Apparently, he had said, we're going to the AFC Championship prior to him kicking it. That's what Joe Burrow said. Wouldn't be shocked. This team has a lot of steeds, a lot of swagger. I'm riding with the Bills all the way. Yes, I want to put that out there. I am a Saints fan. I have always loved LSU. 
So I like Jamar Chase, and I've been a big fan of Joe Burrow since he's since he was on LSU and since he's come into the league. So I am rocking with the Bengals for this playoff since the Saints are are obviously not in it. Moving on, we had the 49ers-Packers game. This one was a real barn burner. Just kidding. It was a final score of 13-10. 49ers actually take the upset win. So we had two upset wins here with the Bengals and the 49ers. And I believe the Rams were also upset win, but we aren't quite there yet. But uh, I have strong feelings towards Aaron Rodgers. Uh, not a fan of him in any fashion. Uh, he's a regular season performer to me, and that's it. He can't. He he is unable to win anything. At least hasn't proven so in the last decade. Yes, he does have one ring, but otherwise he just cannot win in the playoffs. He has a playoff record of eleven and ten. He goes twenty of twenty nine for two hundred and twenty five yards. I mean, the defense played really well. Aaron Rodgers simply just could not get it done. Uh, not that his completion percentage was bad and his yards were bad. It's just, and he had turnovers. He didn't have turnovers. He just didn't do what he usually does, what is expected out of him, uh, you know, being likely this season's MVP, uh, just didn't get the job done. Aaron Jones had 12 carries for 41 yards. He also had nine catches for 129 yards. So uh, more than half of Aaron Rodgers' uh, passing yards came from Aaron Jones, a running back, uh, receiving yards, which is interesting. A.J. Dillon had seven carries for 25 yards and a touchdown, the only touchdown scored by the Packers in this one. Devontae Adams was the second leading receiver with nine catches for for 90 yards. And then here's the interesting thing. After that, so you had Aaron Jones, who had the nine catches. You had Devontae Adams, who also had nine catches. Uh, I believe somebody else had a catch. But then Alan Lazard had one catch. And then after that, one other person, I believe, had one catch, and then, yeah, no other people had catches. I mean, that's crazy. I don't know if that's a, a testament to the 49ers defense locking down at pretty much every other player that's not Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams or whoever allowed that one catch to Alan Lazard, but, I mean, that is pretty pitiful. I don't know if Aaron Rodgers just simply was not targeting other people, uh, but definitely very, very interesting, uh, to say the least. The defense played exceptionally well. They had four sacks. They had one interception simply on the offensive side of the ball. The, uh, the Packers just didn't get it done. Aaron Rodgers didn't get it done. And it's not like Jimmy Garoppolo had a great game. He went 11 of 19 for 131 yards and an interception, no touchdowns. I mean, this, again, was a truly defensive game. No offensive touchdowns were even scored by the 49ers in this one either. So... Going a little bit deeper in, Elijah Mitchell, 17 carries for 53 yards. Not a great average. Uh, I think that's just over three yards a carry. He had three catches for 18 yards. Debo Samuel, he, he, you know, he's usually pretty efficient as well. He had 10 carries for 39 yards. Just He had 3.9 yards per carry pretty much four, but still not his typical, you know, amazing game. Three catches for 44 yards from him as well. George Kittle went four for 63. Uh, defense had five sacks. Five sacks, a fumble recovery, and then the only touchdown scored by the uh, Titans, the uh, 49ers, was a blocked punt return touchdown. I mean, truthfully, the offense was for both teams was just incredibly hard to watch. Really boring game, not much happening. Sure, I love a good defensive game, but this just felt like really sloppy football, just not really fun to watch. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's my take on this one. And then again, you know, the MVP for the 49ers is not a specific person, but it's just the special teams unit as a whole uh, because they had that blocked punt touchdown, which uh, secured a tie at one point. And then Robbie Gould, again, part of the special teams unit, had a game-winning field goal. 
So again, probably the worst game of the entire weekend. It was just very lackluster, uninspiring. But the 49ers, too, move on, and Jimmy Garoppolo finds a way to get into another NFC Championship uh, after being two years removed. Moving on, we have the Rams-Bucks game. Uh, this was a wild one, actually. Uh, I had people telling me it was over. Uh, I wasn't, I'm not, I was, as a Saints fan, I'm not rooting for the Bucks, obviously, because I'm a Saints fan, uh, but I'm also not rooting for the Rams either because of what happened in 2018 with the infamous no-call. But uh, basically what happened in this game, the Rams were up by at least three scores at one point, and people were saying the game was over when there was well over 20 minutes in total left, uh, well over a quarter and a half left, and I said, you just can't count out Brady. I don't care what his situation is. I mean, you've seen him do absolutely improbable things before. And until in a game that Tom Brady's involved in, honestly, any game, any football game in general, until, especially in the playoffs as well, until the clock hits double zeros, the game is simply not over. So I hate when people say the game is over because it's never over. I hate that. It's a pet peeve. Anything can happen. Literally anything can happen. But in this one, the Rams still do get the win, 30-27. Uh, to 27. Matt Stafford goes 28 of 38, 366 yards, two touchdowns. He also had four carries for only six yards, but had a rushing touchdown as well. Uh, the running backs combined for 25 carries and 52 yards. Uh, I know Cam Akers had two fumbles. Uh, I believe Matt Stafford also had a fumble. Cooper Cup went off in this one. Nine catches for 183 yards and a touchdown. Had a massive 44-yard catch to set up uh, a game-winning field goal in the end of regulation. Odell had six catches for 69 yards. Kendall Blanton had two catches for 18 yards and a touchdown. So those are the two touchdowns that were thrown by Matt Stafford, Cooper Cup, and Kendall Bland. The defense had three sacks, one interception, one fumble recovery. Pretty much doing a little bit of everything. Uh, but yes, the Rams do win, and Brady started off extremely slow and then started cooking in the second half. He went 30 of 54, not a great completion rate, but he did have 329 yards and a touchdown. Uh, did throw an interception. Lenny, playoff Lenny, Leonard Fournette had 13 carries for 51 yards. It's an all right average, almost almost four yards a carry. He had two touchdowns. He also had nine catches for 56 yards. Mike Evans had a really, really solid day. He, he had a really good playoff run. Uh, he had over 200 yards and uh, just under 20 catches. But in this game, specifically, he had eight catches for 119 yards and a touchdown. Gronk had four catches for 85 yards. And the defense had two sacks and four fumble recoveries. Those four fumble recoveries were crucial in the Bucks attempting a comeback. But the Rams still get the win. And I couldn't pick between Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup uh, for this game. But I think the MVP uh, goes to both of them realistically. I mean, you know, one's not getting it done without the other. That's uh, pretty much how it works with a quarterback and a wide receiver. But in this specific case, I mean, they've been grinding all season, uh, both having career years. Matt Stafford, 366 yards, the two touchdowns, had the rushing touchdown. He had a 121.2 rating and a 73% completion percentage. And then, obviously, Cooper Cup with his nine catches, 183 yards. Huge catch towards the end of the game to set up that game-winning field goal for Matt Gay and the touchdown earlier in regulation. Now, the last game, this was the game of the weekend. So thrilling, so exhilarating. Uh, this is what I wish every single game was like. The Chiefs, Bills, oh, I wanted the Bills to win so bad, and it was so tragic, but 
I'll get into the details in a sec, but the Chiefs take this one, 42 to 36 in overtime. Josh Allen had a had a very very good game, 27 of 37 for 329 yards. He had four touchdowns. He also was the leading rusher for his team with 11 carries for 68 yards. But the story, the absolute story of this game, is the emergence of Gabriel Davis. Obviously, we all know Stephon Diggs is the primary target for Josh Allen, but he was drawing. So much coverage. He only had three catches for seven yards. He drew so much coverage that Gabriel Davis had a massive game. Eight catches, 201 yards, and four touchdowns. Who would have ever thought Gabriel Davis would have eight catches, 201 yards, and four touchdowns in the divisional game against the Chiefs? I don't think anybody would have thought that. I'm almost certain that absolutely nobody in Vegas was betting on that to happen. Absolutely wild game from him. What a masterful performance from Gabriel Davis. Absolutely snatched a guy's soul as well. Uh, one of the defensive backs a, had a dirty route. Absolutely clean route running. Cole Beasley also had six catches for 60 yards. The defense had two sacks. Defense, obviously, you know, with a combined score of nearly 80, 80 points. I mean... There's obviously not going to be much defense involved, but the Bills' defense did get two sacks. And then Patrick Mahomes, again, a very, very solid performance, uh, to say the least. He, had, he went 33 of 44 with 378 passing yards and three touchdowns. And then he also had 70 carries for 69 yards and a touchdown. He was also, both quarterbacks were their leading rusher for their team. Uh, could not tell you the last time that actually happened in a playoff game or, or in a game in general. Clyde Edwards-Lair had seven carries for 60 yards, and he also had a catch for nine yards. Jerick McKinnon has been a very solid resource for the Chiefs team. Ten carries for only 24 yards, not much on the ground, but he's so valuable in the passing game with five catches for 54 yards. He's a chain mover when it comes to the passing game. Uh, Tyreek Hill, great performance from him. 11 catches for 150 yards and a touchdown, and we can also uh, bring up his, his uh, palm return. Great pump return at one point in time. Uh, put on the spin cycle. Just a phenomenal player to watch. But, yeah, again, 11 catches, 150 yards, and a touchdown. Great day from him. Travis Kelsey remaining as consistent as possible. Eight catches for 96 yards and a touchdown. Nicole Hardman, one catch for only 26 yards, but he had two carries for 31 yards and a touchdown. Hit a cool, had, had a pretty sick end around uh, for a touchdown. And then Byron Pringle, five catches for 29 yards and a touchdown. The MVP of this game, I have to give it to Patrick Mahomes. He had a phenomenal performance, to say the least. 378 yards, three touchdowns, like I already said. Led the team with 69 rushing yards and also had a rushing touchdown. A 75% completion percentage, as well as a 123.1 rating. He is your MVP for that game. So, yeah, that's pretty much the recap of what happened in the divisional round. So, now moving on, you have the Bengals playing at Arrowhead against the Chiefs. And you have... The 49ers playing at SoFi against the Rams. So we have some pretty good matchups. I'm looking forward to watching this happen. Uh, you know, you have Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow against each other, two very young quarterbacks, one with, uh, you know, some awards behind him and, and Joe Burrow with something to prove. Uh, and then you have a divisional matchup between the 49ers and the Rams, and the 49ers are Sean McVay's kryptonite. So we will see how that unfolds. Within the last week, we are seeing a lot of things happening. People stepping down, new uh, personnel hired, retirements, and so on. So I'm just going to catch you up with the latest NFL news. So first off, we got Big Ben. Uh, He announced his retirement today. Today is Thursday, I believe. The date is... 
Let me get that for you in a second because I can't even figure out what day date. So it's Thursday, the 27th of January. Ben Roethlisberger has retired after a what many people would call a Hall of Fame career. Uh, has earned a lot of people's respect as a football player. A lot of controversy off-field, as we all know. But I'm not here to tell you about that because I'm here to tell you about football. And what he did on the football field was pretty spectacular. Uh, not many people can say they have... Uh, you know, the passing yards that he does, the touchdowns that he does, the amount of playoff appearances, the amount of winning seasons, uh, you know, the amount of Super Bowls. He's got two rings. So, yeah, I mean, you know, congratulations to him on, on, on a great career, spectacular career. I think a lot of people were expecting this. You saw his arm strength pretty much non-existent uh, by the end of the season. Honestly, throughout the season, you could even say, but yeah, Ben Ben Roethlisberger retiring, so the Steelers are going to move on. Uh, you know, look for a quarterback unless they have some faith in Dwayne Haskins. Uh, I'm not sure that they do. Um, I wouldn't. Dwayne Haskins, in my opinion, is not very good. So I think they kind of look in the draft and see what they can get. Uh, if I were them, I would be doing everything within my possibility to. Even though I just talked a, a lot of bad things about Aaron Rodgers, uh, I think he would probably be the best solution for them. Uh, maybe even trading for Russ. Who knows? But Ben Roethlisberger, congratulations on a great career. The Bears hire defensive coordinator from the Colts, Matt Eberfluss, as their new head coach. Uh, this is a little bit interesting to me. I think it's an all right signing. Um, on, on not signing, but hiring. I think it's all right. I think I think Matt Eberfluss is a great defensive coordinator. Uh, you know, the Colts had a spectacular defense this year. Uh very turnover-rich, getting his players in the right position at the right time. He knows what he's doing. Uh, as a head coach of the Bears, I think he was probably a top-five option. I personally would have liked to have seen the Bears go and get Brian Flores. I, I see the Bears as a, a more so a defensive team, uh, but I think they – and Matt Nagy obviously failed as a uh, co- an offensive-minded coach. Matt Nagy is just terrible, in my opinion. Um but yeah, Matt Eberfluss, the new head coach, I, I, we'll see what he can do. Uh, maybe the Bears turn around and become one of the best defensive teams in the NFL. It's very possible under him. But I'm very curious to see what he does as a head coach. Not my favorite hiring, but also not a bad one either. And then the Bears also hired Chiefs Executive Director of Prior Personnel, Ryan Poles, as their GM. Uh, why this is significant, because for those who don't know what the Rooney Rule is, essentially it's... Uh, teams hiring and not really an I guess you could call it an incentive to hire uh people in important positions like head coach coordinator all that good stuff uh GM uh for people of color uh so this is kind of just a, a pivotal move a pivotal move for not only the Bears but the league seeing a person of color become a GM uh it's pretty awesome I, I love it you know Ryan Poles uh I personally think this was this was great uh, you can see what the Chiefs have done over the years in the position they've been in. Uh, multiple playoff, four straight playoff appearances. Uh, you know, Super Bowls, not two Super Bowl appearances. They know how to get the right players in the right spot. And Ryan Poles as GM, I think, is a really good move for the Bears. Uh, I think he ends up making Matt Eberfluss's life a lot easier. Uh, so this move, definitely uh, very, very fond of. I, I, I did like when I saw that. And then this one hurt a little bit more. Sean Payton is stepping down as the Saints head coach. Yeah. 
think he's retiring for a year. He just has said that his heart isn't where football is right now. Uh, I've seen a lot of jokes. You saw uh, it was like a funny face of him, and the comment was when you realize you've had 57 different starters this year or something like that. And, you know, the Saints endured very tough times this season. A lot of injuries, probably the most, again, the most starters that the NFL has ever seen in history has it seen this year. Uh, it was very stressful. Uh, Sean Payton has been coaching for a long time as well. I uh, obviously had the Payne Breeze era, my favorite, uh, my, I mean, it's the only era I've really ever watched. Uh, it's not really tragic, but it's definitely saddening because I figured he wouldn't last very, very long after uh, Breeze retired. I thought it was kind of a given that he'd step down eventually, but may- I didn't really think this quick. Uh, you know, maybe the Saints make the playoffs, Jameis never gets hurt. Uh, they make a decent playoff run, not a crazy one. I don't think they would have won the Super Bowl. But, and then he doesn't step down, but I, I could see how the season took a toll on him. And, and again, he's been coaching for a while, too, so I don't blame him. Uh, but, you know, that pain breeze there, that 15, 16-year span, uh, I just hate to see it go. It, it breaks my heart uh, as a Saints fan. But, uh, you know, congrats to him and what he's accomplished and done for the Saints organization. I'm forever grateful that Super Bowl season, uh, all the help with Hurricane Katrina. It, truthfully, uh, thank you, Sean Payton. Coming from my heart there. And then lastly, the Vikings, again, a pivotal move with getting people of color in important positions. I absolutely love it. Uh, You know, it shouldn't be about, okay, just doing it for the publicity, but who is the best for the job? And I truthfully believe that these guys are best for their jobs. I mean, both these teams, the Browns and the Chiefs, have great rosters. So the Vikings hire Cleveland Browns Vice President of Football Operations, Kwesi Adolfo Mensa as GM. Again, I think this is a great move. Uh, it's it's good for the sport and opening the door for uh, people of color. And, you know, hopefully eventually, and we've seen it in baseball with the Marlins. Uh, they have a female GM. You know, again, it's about who's best for the job. I, I, wouldn't, I would hope they're not doing it for publicity, although they could be. But it's about who's best for the job. And both of these guys are insanely qualified for these positions. Uh, so congrats, congratulations to Ryan Poles and uh, Kwesi Adolfo Mensa for, for becoming GMs. Uh, I think they're going to do great jobs in those positions. So, yeah, that's pretty much the news of the week. We got Ben Roethlisberger retiring, Matt Eberflus, the new head coach of the Bears, uh, Ryan Poles, new GM of the Bears, Guessi Adolfo Mensa, new GM of the Vikings, and then Sean Payton has stepped down as the Saints head coach. Tragedy. So, next week, we'll, there won't be any football because that is when the Pro Bowl takes place. Uh, so, I'm going to hit you with some NFL Honors Awards for Part 1. So, not all of them. Uh, we're going to cover the lesser-known ones. Not the lesser-known ones, but not your offensive, defensive rookie of the year, your offensive player, defensive player of the year, and MVP. I'm just going to do the coach of the year, comeback player of the year, fantasy player of the year. Uh, that's it for this week. So my NFL Honors Awards Part 1. Coach of the year, Zach Taylor. I don't think there's any question. The only other things that crossed my mind was you know, if the Saints made the playoffs, given their you know circumstances, would Sean Payne have been coach of the year? I think he would. Have, there should have been strong considerations. Uh, the transition to Mac Jones uh, with um, Belichick uh, and them making the playoffs also could have been uh, coach of the year. Mike Vrabel leading a Titans team, uh, a Derrick Henryless Titans team uh, for most of the season, at least. Uh, to the number one seed, even though I thought they were a fraudulent one seed. 
Um, a lot of contenders for this award. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, you could even say. Matt LaFleur, you could say. A lot of people. But I think it has to go to Zach Taylor. I don't think anyone was expecting this to happen. Uh, even though the Ravens kind of folded, the Steelers, they did make the playoffs, but uh, no one thought they were going to go anywhere, and rightfully so. I mean, you see what happened. Uh, but I don't think anyone thought that the that the Bengals were going to win the division this year. I thought that they could make a wild card spot. I thought Joe Burrow was still going to get killed, and he kind of is because that offensive line is absolutely terrible still. Uh, you know, the drop issues with, with Jamar Chase in preseason. And look how everything turned out. I mean, Joe Burrow balled out this year. Um, pretty much everything kind of came full circle for the Bengals. I still do think they have a few things to work on, at, like that offensive line, maybe a couple of holes to fill in uh, on the defense. But Zach Taylor found a way to get his team to get it done. Um, I think he has to be coach of the year, and I know postseason shouldn't affect it, but I don't think anyone thought the Bengals would be in the AFC Championship game against the Chiefs. I don't think anyone thought that was going to happen. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm definitely giving coach of the year to Zach Taylor, and I'm sticking with the same team for comeback player of the year. I think it has to be Joe Burrow. Uh, I look at his entire story, you know, was at Ohio State, never got the starting job, went to LSU, had an okay season, then balled out, won the Natty Championship. Uh, then has a solid rookie year before tearing his ACL uh, after Chase Young tackled him. I mean, a torn ACL for a quarterback, never something very easy to come back from and play to the level that he did. Uh, so I'm giving it to Joe Burrow. Uh, again, given the circumstances that team has gone through, uh, you know, he's still getting destroyed out there. That offensive line, I keep saying it, but it's just so bad. It's 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 uh, Joe Burrow probably just feels helpless at, at some points in time uh, when he's just not getting the protection he needs, but still balled out this year. He had a great season, uh, you know, after tearing his ACL. Other people up for contention, uh, Nick Bosa, uh, I think people kind of forgot about him a bit, but he came back, I believe he had 15 sacks, 16 sacks, something like that. Um, it was an absolute game record, part of the ma- one of the main reasons that uh, the 49ers are in the position that they are in in the playoffs right now. So, I don't know. I think it has to go to Joe Burrow. There's also Dak Prescott, uh, who had his uh, gruesome ankle injury as well. Um, And he had a good season, but he showed a ton of inconsistency. Uh, I'm giving it to Joe Burrow. Uh, And again, you could probably say I'm biased for this, but I do actually think he wins it. But that's my guy. And then Fantasy Player of the Year, uh, I couldn't pick one person uh, simply because there were two people that had absolutely insane years uh, and were probably on teams that won fantasy championships this season. Uh, Cooper Cup, 100% insane year, had the most receiving yard or had the most receiving yards. He had the triple crown. So he had the most receiving yards, most receiving touchdowns, most uh, receptions as well. Fell short of the record. Still held by Michael Thomas. Let's go. Uh, also, I mean, he fell short in 16 games. I hate the 17-game thing. You have to make a whole... I think you have to make a whole separate chart uh, for records now. And I think you have, historians should go back uh, looking through history of football and should create separate separate documents for uh, these different eras of football and records for certain amounts of games. Jonathan Taylor, the second guy. I mean, efficient as can be, getting you your 100-yard games with two touchdowns. Uh, I wish the receptions would have came through towards the end of the season, but they just never did. I uh, wasn't getting any receptions. 
Uh, you know, whether, you know, two or three would have been nice per game, but he was getting actually zero. Uh, a little bit frustrating. But Jonathan Taylor and Cooper Cup both had the most points at their respective positions. So I have to give it to them. I have to give them the tie. Uh, it sounds crazy because uh, people are probably down my throat saying, no, nah, it's definitely 100% Cooper Cup and then other people vice versa with Jonathan Taylor. But I, I actually could not separate the two because both of them were so essential to so many fantasy playoff teams. So that I'm just going to leave it at that. And we are coming full circle with this episode, and we will be wrapping up in just a few moments. But before that happens, I just want to give you a preview of the conference championships and my predictions. So you have the Chiefs versus the Bengals in Arrowhead. Going to be a good one. We'll see, you know, this is a rematch of what we saw in the regular season when Jamar Chase had 266 yards. So does he not replicate that but still have a great second matchup? I think so. I'm taking the Bengals with this one. Probably aren't going to win. I think it'll be a close game, but I'm taking the Bengals anyway because I said I was rocking with them. So even if I'm being biased right now and it doesn't seem realistic, I am still going with the Bengals. 34-28, to my final score. So my predictions for this game, I think Joe Burrow throws for 300-plus yards and three touchdowns. Jamar Chase has at least 150 yards and a touchdown. Joe Mixon totals 100 scrimmage yards. I think Mahomes gets a little too comfortable at some point. That was a pretty crucial pick. Uh, but I do think this is mostly an offensive game with three or less sacks and two or less turnovers. Uh, I think that's extremely reasonable to say. Uh, you saw the Chiefs' defense get obliterated um, in the uh, – well, the Chiefs and Bengals' defenses pretty much were non-existent in that regular season matchup. And then the Chiefs, after last week versus Bills, are going to hope to tighten things up, and I don't think they will. Uh, again, Chiefs, I think, will probably win this one, uh, being realistic, but – uh, being hopeful, I'm taking the Bills, or not the Bills, Bengals. Um, I wish the Bills would have won, but oh well. And then in the second game, we got the Rams versus 49ers. 49ers coming to SoFi. I think this is going to be a really defensive game, actually. I think the final score is going to be 20-17 to 17 Rams. I think Matt Stafford and Jimmy G have pretty meh games, if that makes sense. Pretty average games. I think they combined for just over 400 yards. Uh, and two touchdowns, respectively, uh, one touchdown each, basically. And I think it's it's going to be a very good defensive game. I think there's going to be a total of seven-plus sacks between the two teams. Now, these aren't individual team stats. I'm saying, you know, the, the Rams could have six, and the 49ers could have two, or the Rams could have three, and the 49ers could have four. But regardless, I think there's going to be seven-plus sacks. I think there's going to be three-plus turnovers. I think Cooper Cup and Debo will be the only productive offensive players. I think they're going to do their typical thing. But I don't really think there's going to be any other standout performance, if that makes sense. But those are my predictions for the conference championship. That would make it a Bengals-Rams Super Bowl, and I would love to see that happen. Again... Chiefs first Bengals, 34-28, taking the Bengals at Arrowhead. Uh, and then I'm taking the Rams in their home stadium of SoFi versus the 49ers, 20-17. That is going to be it for this episode. I hope you guys have enjoyed. Uh, I love how this season's rounding out. That Bills-Chiefs game. Uh, you know what? I didn't even really talk about that. I, I, I apologize. But that last three minutes of that game was absolutely wild. Uh, I believe there was 20-plus points scored in that last three minutes. Uh, Unfortunately for the Bills, their defense was absolutely gassed and just got obliterated in overtime. And I think vice versa, had the Chiefs lost the coin toss, I think the Bills would have done the same exact thing personally. But wow, was that a thrilling game. I absolutely loved it. 
Uh, but yeah, that's it for this episode. I hope you guys have enjoyed, and I hope you guys tune back in next week uh, to hear my predictions for the Super Bowl and my honors awards, and maybe we'll get uh, a little bit into some way-too-early drafts for this coming April when the NFL draft takes stage. But again, it's been a pleasure talking to you guys, and I just have one last question. Are you down to football? 